Hello and welcome to Happy Place, the show where I, Fern Cotton, meet fascinating people from all walks of life and find out how they get from one day to the next. And today we meet my friend Chris Helenga. My life has never really been one big plan and obviously getting breast cancer was like that pulled the rug from under my feet and I thought my life is about to change so much. Her story is by turns shocking, moving and uplifting. Her experiences are certainly not everyone's experience of cancer, but this is a very unique situation. But I promise you, you're going to love meeting her. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And now, here's the show. gorgeous Chris. Hello. <laughs> so this is something that we've talked about doing for a while now. Mm-hmm. I was dubious to ask you to have this chat so I thought you know we're great friends but who am I to say you know come on the podcast and let's talk about your extraordinary life because yeah. it's not always easy to talk about your life. Yeah. And I didn't want to assume that you would want to but luckily you texted me and said I'm feeling really good and strong and I'd like to be on your podcast and I was like yes <laughs> thanks for having me <laughs> <laughs> now I, I'm very honored to be chatting here and I, when I messaged you I said there are so many things that I would love to share on on this platform and having listened to your, all your other guests on this podcast I think it's such a good space and time to chat about stuff that I think other others wouldn't have necessarily expected to talk about with you. Yeah. So obviously you're getting stuff out of people, like exclusives <laughs> out of people. And people feel really comfortable. So I'm guessing that's how today's going to go. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And it helps that we're mates. And yeah. we do have big long chats anyway yeah. about life. Yeah. And we've talked about... Exactly. I freaked out on you a few times. Yeah. So but that's fine. completely what yeah. I'm there for yeah. and that's why we're great mates. Yeah. But saying that, you have really only freaked out as you call it once mm, out yeah, of okay. all the years that I've known you and that is yeah. bloody remarkable yeah. and we're going to talk about that in a bit. Mm-hmm. First of all, let's talk about our love story and how we met. I was doing a trek for breast cancer care and I was walking with one of your friends who was there, Jenny, mm-hmm. and the whole time she was like this girl, Chris, is amazing, like, the whole time. And I was like, who is this frigging Chris girl? And why does she keep going on about her constantly? And to say that the character of Chris was intriguing was, you know, is to say the least. I was desperate to meet you and and hear your story. And weirdly, I did meet you very soon after that Mm because I bumped into you at the Cosmopolitan Awards. Yeah, that's that's fate. That is fate. That's work. And at that point, 
you were having chemotherapy. No. You'd finished chemotherapy. Yes. Yeah, this was like a year after my sort of most active treatment. And um, Copperfield was very much still early days, but had had started. And, and Jenny, who you met on the trek, was, I guess, our very first sort of success story. And as bittersweet as it is, she was the one who came forward and said, because of you, um, I went back to the GP and I was diagnosed early. Um, and... So she became this like, ah, this eureka moment. Mm. And and also now a great friend. So she's also wicked. Um, and her being on that trek with you has, yeah, then led to us meeting. And for you to pop me an email saying, I want to run a half marathon for you, which was <laughs> a great day. <laughs> I was so inspired by what you do at Copperfield. Yeah. But for those people mm. who haven't heard of the amazing charity that you founded, can you just explain what exactly it is? So when I was diagnosed with breast cancer, I was 23 and I was diagnosed really late. So it was stage four, which meant it had already spread from my breast to my spine. And that was ridiculous because I could have got an early diagnosis. So ultimately, that means I could have been checking my boobs and I could have noticed the lump much sooner than I did. And I could have been diagnosed much earlier and ultimately could potentially now be living without breast cancer. But the thing is, no one was educating young people. No one was out there saying, why don't you check your boobs? Make it a regular thing. Know your boobs. Have the confidence to go and speak to your GP if you're not sure about that thing that's happening. Um, no one was doing that. No one's targeting young people. And so I saw this huge gap and with a mix of frustration and a bit of anger at the time of being diagnosed. And I thought something had to change. And um, I had a lot of time on my hands. <laughs> and I thought, let's just start a charity. But, you know, there's lots of remarkable things to talk about within that. First of all, the fact that you were going through something personally completely and utterly game-changing. Mm. And at this point, you are still getting your head around it, trying yeah. to digest it and feeling a plethora of emotions. Yeah. How on earth do you then align everything and get focused to start a charity that has snowballed into an absolute monster I mean yeah. it's a huge charity now yeah. and you are making a massive impact nationally with all the brilliant things you do with young people at universities and festivals and all the other stuff that you do but how on earth did you find that headspace to go as well as trying to think about my life in a new way I'm going to do this thing over here mm. It kind of came overnight. I never planned for it to be as big as it was. But then I never really planned anything. My life has never really been one big plan. And um, obviously getting breast cancer was like that pulled the rug from under my feet. And I thought my life has changed, is about to change so much. But um, I found myself in a situation where I was suddenly receiving lots of treatment. I was living back at home with my mum. My friends were, all had lives. And um, I... I I genuinely believe because I had time on my hands and a story to tell um, and no other means of really getting on with life other than maybe using what was happening to me to other people's advantage. Um, I just I just knew that something had to happen. I mean, it, it, you know, I didn't start charity overnight. It was more, uh, okay, so what if I start telling people my story? What impact would that have? Would other people then start checking their boobs? And so I started the blog and then I just happened, well, not just happened, but I, you know, I started talking to people that were closest to me. So my friends and my family, and I said, wouldn't it be really great if there was a thing? I didn't know what this thing was, but just something, a campaign, 
a movement that would make us young people really consider our bodies more consider our boobs more I guess Marin my twin sister believed that that was also a good idea and everything that she also believes in has to happen if we're on the same page then something just has to happen or you two together Um, are a force of nature yeah there's no doubt about it it's sort of unparalleled yeah you guys just do your thing yeah and if she'd said no that's a shit idea then it wouldn't have happened (laughs) there you go um so it's a good job Maren agreed and then so we we kind of brought our friends around a table at my mum's house over a cup of tea and and we just made some notes and some doodles and some of the stuff that we wrote on that piece of paper that day has since happened you know we've had we've made some of those things happen and we called it Copperfield and I thought oh, that's, that name's not going to stick and everyone everyone agreed with me that it was a good name. I don't know if they were just saying that because I was ill, I had cancer and they were like, oh yeah, anything anything that will make her happy, we'll just agree with. But actually they were really honest then too. It's a great name. <laughs> yeah, it's, it did stick. And then we thought let's test out the um, actual message of boob love at a festival but that's only because we were happening to go to a festival anyway with some friends and we thought well wouldn't it why don't we just email the organizers and see if they'll let us come with a little gazebo and I don't know stickers and um and they said yes and I was so shocked by this email when they said yeah come and we'll give you a little pitch they literally gave us a pitch right near the main stage and so suddenly we had tent our tent little tent was filled with girls and who were just up for talking about boobs and Marin and I were face painting each other because we love face paints and uh, someone came over and they said oh how much is it for face paints and Marin and I just looked at each other and said donations because <laughs> you have to raise a little bit of money before yeah. you've become a charity so we asked a friend to bring a bucket so we could put money in it and during those I know five minutes of when you're face painting someone or longer depending how good someone is at painting face painting I mean we were not face painters and neither were any of our friends but they still did these monstrosities on people's faces (laughs) which people pay for we had time to chat about boobs we could open up a conversation about boobs when because no one wants a half painted face so they will sit there and listen to you harp on about checking your boobs and they would hopefully leave the tent thinking all right that's not a chat I was expecting, but yeah. actually it's fine. Yeah. Like it's totally normal. I don't know if this would have had some impact, but I'm guessing so. Seeing me there, at this point I had no hair. And even in the evenings I had to inject myself with the stuff to keep my blood happy so I could keep getting chemo. In a not very sterile environment at a festival, it was quite tricky. But they could see that someone very young was going through breast cancer, but having a really wicked time. Maybe gave them another added sort of message of okay if this happens it's not all bad and because that was such a success we decided to go to more festivals in September that year I was given a Pride of Britain award and I have to say that's when things went mad but it was so deserved and it and it just shows when you have an idea that not only is brilliant Mm, but connects with people and no one's been talking about that before and it is needed that things then will just start to align and snowball and doors start opening and that's exactly what you've done it all but people have gone oh my god yeah and you're talking about it so brilliantly and and you're seeing change and that's why it has snowballed into this magnificent monster yeah that's what you've been like ever since I've known you you've pushed the boundaries of what people think a cancer survivor is living like and you're going 
I'm just getting on with my life. And mm-hmm. I'm actually I'm not even getting on with it. I'm doing insanely brilliant stuff. Yeah. Because I've never known you to do anything other than exceptional things. Yeah. What, what point did you, did you reach a moment where you thought, okay, this is shit and I don't mm. want this to be happening, but I can still have a life and I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do all the things that I'm currently planning out. When did you get to that moment? Um, I think it's when people actually believed in the Cobfield message and when people started thinking and telling me that they agreed with what I was doing and I was getting some really good feedback on some of the work that we were doing or even the, the buzz of going to that first festival was so electrifying, so healing for me. But, I mean, if I'm really honest, I'm not entirely sure that it really ever hit home in those early few months what was actually happening to me. I didn't know anyone with breast cancer. I literally knew very, very little about the disease. I made one little mistake of Googling stuff in the middle of the night, not long after I was diagnosed. I was interested to know what my survival rate possibly could be. Um, I mean, I knew when it's when it's spread, it's not good. And when I found that out that day, it was I was... I was terrified and I cried myself to sleep that night, but I didn't really understand what that meant, really, like truly. And I don't know how you can really ever comprehend it, but I was 23 and yes, the day before I I had a life ahead of me and then suddenly someone was saying that that might not be the case. That That didn't click with me at all. But when I Googled that, my life expectancy was probably around the two and a half year mark. That's when things potentially started to sink in for me but then at the same time a lot of exciting things were happening the charity was starting to really go places I was having amazing conversations and meetings with people and I thought oh my god I have found a passion out of something so awful I have found something that really brightens my life and I had not had that before and you know you could say uh, how many 23 year olds would really have that at that stage in their life so I you know I am you know I'm not being unkind to myself when I when I say that but before I was diagnosed I was very lost I was in a horrible relationship with a horrible boy and I thought that happiness only came through other people and not through my own doing and suddenly being diagnosed with cancer and having a reason to exist through starting the charity gave me so much life and so much reason to fight and and live and and so all of the negative stuff all of the oh but you might not be around for much longer or you're gonna have to have treatment for the rest of your life that kind of just faded into the background it really did even though it was very present and I had to go to the hospital a lot and I was very poorly towards the end of chemotherapy it was very much not at the forefront of what I was doing. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If you're being told by Google or by doctors that you might only have two and a half years to live and you have, ever since I've known you, really kind of stuck your middle finger up to that one mm. and gone, nope, 
sorry. Yeah. And so you were diagnosed, was that nine years ago now? Yeah. Nine years ago. Yeah. So having read on Google, you might only have two and a half years to live. You've gone, um, nope, I'm afraid yeah. I've got a lot longer on planet yeah. Earth, thank you. Yeah. And I'm going to crack on with it. But I can't understand that sort of strength. I've never had to dig that deep. And to me, it is just otherworldly like that's why I'm so inspired by you not only as a friend but someone that I look up to because I think where does that come from yeah. like that is bonkers that you're gonna just go against something that you've read in black and white or been told by a professional yeah. and go no 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 yeah and do you think that is all down to passion a purpose and and that drive that you've yeah. got 100% wow I really think it was a purpose and and having something to live for and also, adding to that, there was no other option but to live. Yeah. You don't have an option but to just get on with things. And a lot of people said to me at the time, I don't know how you're just getting up every day. I don't know how you're not just, like, drinking yourself stupid. I was like, because that's not me. Like, no. And what, what, what is the point in that? Why would I want to hang over every mm. day when I'm already feeling shit? Um, it just made no sense that some people would come up with that. But at the same time, people don't understand how they're going to be until it finally happens. And... And I wish it wasn't that way. I just wish people understood that they have so much strength within themselves and it doesn't have to take cancer or anything else equally awful to happen to them to find it. Now, I don't believe that I'm going to live forever, but I also don't believe that I'm going to die tomorrow. I just wake up and think, am I feeling okay? I kind of check in with myself. Can I see? Can I get up? Can I? Am I hungry? Because appetite is really important for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, do I fancy food? Can I get on with today? Yes. Okay, let's crack on. That's that's all I can do. Well, it's all any of us can do, but we get so sidetracked thinking we're in control yeah. and going, although you may have heard from professionals or seen on a website what your supposed life expect- mm. expectancy is, none of us really know what's going to happen no. in the next five minutes. Mm-mm. But we all walk around going, oh, I'm really worried about, I haven't paid this parking fine or whatever. And mm-hmm. we just think we're here forever. Yeah. But of course, none of us know. You've just got a slightly more intense relationship with that knowledge because yeah. it's been presented to you. Yeah. So how has having that information changed how you see life and how you live every day? Without sounding really cliche, but it does make everything so much brighter. It really does. You, Because I'm acutely aware of my mortality every single day, it means that every single day... I think about what every moment means. I don't have to do something momentous every day and I don't have to do something exceptional every day. I Sometimes I am just like pottering about the house, getting errands done, doing the washing, stroking my cat. But knowing that actually at the end of the day, I'm happy with what today meant to me, then that's enough. And some people would probably maybe not even acknowledge that whatsoever, that they've just had a day and it was good. So... I think that's the difference. And I do not take anything for granted. I really don't. And I think a lot of people with life-limiting diseases would probably agree with me on that. But you you just can't take anything for granted. You can't wait until tomorrow. And like I said before, I'm, I was never really someone who made plans necessarily. But I can't now. And I don't really put off things until like next year or... Even in a couple of months, that scares me a little bit to put firm plans in place in a couple of months because I just don't know how I'm going to be in a couple of months. 
which means that you um, book a holiday and go like tomorrow instead. Mm, and you and, do. You've and, had yeah. so many adventures. Like, yeah. Even in the last 12 months, just tell us about some of the adventures that you've been on because they've been brilliant. Yeah. I mean, I've been so lucky, but traveling has always meant so much to me. And before I was diagnosed, I thought I was going to travel the world and get paid doing it. Wasn't entirely sure how that was going to happen, but um, that was kind of my very loose plan. Um, So the fact that I still get to do that is amazing. Yeah, last year, my sister and I managed to get to Hawaii, which was just a dream, and visit some really dear friends of ours over there. and, And I got to go on this incredible retreat in Sri Lanka, where I just, well, I just really needed it. It was not long after my cat died and I just needed some space to like yeah, breathe and yeah. get over that. Yeah. But then also a couple of years ago, I decided to move away from London and go to Cornwall. And I definitely, I don't think I would have done that if I didn't have cancer. I would have probably thought, oh, no, I can't do that. I have to wait till I'm older to do that. I don't know why I'd turn into a cockney <laughs> when I'm older. But, but when yeah. that gut yeah. speaks, you're like, yeah. not waste any time. No. I'm going for it. Yeah. Really and we all need to it. take heed of that because yeah. I think we do let our heads get in the way of that feeling. Yeah. Like we might go, oh, I know that moving to the seaside or whatever it might be, changing careers or ditching someone toxic in your life or whatever, yeah. you know, it feels like a good idea, but then you write up in your head a pros and cons list and go, oh, maybe not today. Yeah. But for you, that's been a game changer. You, yeah. you, you feel it and then you act. Yeah. I've had so many mighty fuck it moments that yeah. that have been so great. And I sometimes I just chuckle to myself. I go, Who is this Chris? I like her. <laughs> um, and I think Marin has very much noticed that in me too. And it's rubbed off on her too. And when I say, let's just spend our money. We can't take it with us. She's, <laughs> she's like, because she's very much the sensible twin out of the two of us. Mm, and I think she kind thing. of just had to bite her tongue a lot and kind mm-hmm. of just go with it. But... Um, I think she's benefiting from me just being so hedonistic sometimes. Yeah, well, you're having the most brilliant adventures. And yeah. I love hearing about them and following them on Instagram, yeah. seeing where you are in the world and your coffee and cake van that you yeah. travel around in yeah. at, at the weekends, selling people coffee when yeah. they've been going on treks and stuff. It's yeah. all stuff that you've dreamed up. And rather than be a pipe dream for 20 years away, you've gone, let's just do it now. Yeah. Let's have our little cake and coffee van yeah. we've been dreaming of. Yeah. And when I look at people who do that kind of stuff um, and I say, you know, I ask them like, what made you do that? What sparked you to just go, fuck it, I'm going to just do what I want to do. When it's not cancer, I'm like, yes, it doesn't have to take cancer for someone to actually change their life and follow their dream. Yes, that is great. Um, I'm not taking away from like the people that have had cancer and then changed their life. But what I'm saying is it doesn't have to take something awful for you to do something because... Because then you might actually get to do it for longer. You know, these things that I'm getting to do is is like now, and I don't know how long I'll get to do them, but these people might actually get to do it for a very long time. And I think that's absolutely brilliant. <laughs> so like you say, planning is something you don't want to do mm. because there is some fear involved yeah. in, in not knowing how you're going to feel yeah. and what's going on down yeah. the line. How do you keep positive and, and mitigate that fear and not let it overtake your day? Yeah, I've had to learn quite a few coping strategies. And if we were having this chat, I guess, a couple of months ago, I would just be so baffled and very confused about that question too. I don't know how I get through it and I don't really know how I cope, but I just somehow do, which is not very helpful. <laughs> but, but it's a choice um, and you've it, made it, that choice. It really is. And because I'm 
generally a bit of a control freak having some kind of control over a situation really really helps me get some power back um when I feel that the cancer is really controlling my whole entire existence that's when fear really takes over that's when I think oh I'm losing grip of this situation and I don't know what I'm going to do so that's when I maybe research more holistic therapists or like so when I got another diagnosis a couple of months ago um I sought out a healer um, to just do a bit of energy healing just to help me feel like I'm I'm not in this alone, that someone's got my back a little bit or I go to yoga more or I, I just go to the beach and just sit and watch the ocean and it's it's things like that. Or, or I just, I, I, I mean, I surround myself with my friends a lot of the time. Distraction's really key for me. Mm. Um, or get a cat, adopt a cat, a cat, which is also what I did a couple of months ago. Um, and it is, fear is incredibly crippling and stifling um sometimes it really does take over but I haven't really let it stop me and and with with the planning thing I think I never want to be disappointed so people say oh have you got a bucket list I say absolutely not because that's a list of things I might not get to do yeah and then I'd be so upset and sad about that Mm. so I don't like to plan things ahead because if I don't get to do them I would be absolutely gutted Mm. I hate I mean I have major FOMO Mm. so I would hate the fact that I'd miss out on that thing so instead I make today great in a little something in some kind of way and then that's that's good enough for me and I think fear of dying is one thing although I'm not really that scared of the actual dying it's the fear of dying and not really feeling like I've I've done what I wanted to do but actually I'm at a stage now where I have actually done what I've wanted to do there's nothing that I don't want to do there's there's I've done I've done everything and Mm. that is such an incredible place to be and I'm so proud of myself to have got to that stage and so that means that every day is a bonus like every day is just like yay I get this day too and I of course I I don't want that doesn't mean I'm ready to go I am absolutely not ready to go and I don't want to die I want more of this but it means that I there's there's less fear of missing out. There's less fear of that I'm dying, and I and I'm dying way too young because I don't I don't think it's it's an age thing. It's a what have you achieved in your life thing, um, and I feel like I'm I've I've done a lot. So this is something that takes great strength and courage and and real self awareness to get to a place where you feel Mm. like that and I don't know if I can use this phrase but at peace with it but when you were diagnosed at 23 and you're sat there having to digest so much Mm. not only this life-changing experience but all of the the stuff that you're getting chucked your way advice and and thoughts from other people what emotions were present there? Did you feel very angry about the situation at that point? And there was, because it is, of course, completely unfair and there is huge amounts of injustice afoot and a lot of why me, you know, yeah. did you go through that process? Yeah, I did. I did. I was frustrated because of the situation of being diagnosed so late. It's actually this month, a whole 10 years ago, that I visited my GP and said, I've got this lumpy boob. And she said, it's hormonal, it's nothing to worry about. And the fact that I had to go back three times to actually be taken seriously, that's, that is, <laughs> I don't, I didn't want to be angry at the time, but there, I mean, there was some anger and there was a lot of frustration because I thought I tried 
you know, I thought I, I thought I was doing my best in mm. trying to be diagnosed. Um, but I, I could have also done more. I mean, I could have, I could have known how long the lump had been there. I could have actually taken action sooner. So, so there was some, a lot of frustration, but the thing with first being diagnosed is that you are placed into the system and the system means that you are about to start treatment. And when you're in active treatment, you have something, you have a bit of a, a routine, a thing that you feel is actually making you better. So it's not like you're just sitting at home wondering what, you know, what you're going to do with your life. You're trying to get better. You're having treatment. You're going to, you're probably having a million different side effects and you're getting your head around all that and trying to understand what the, all these treatments are. You suddenly have to become a bit of an expert in cancer and oncology, which is what I became. That, that's the kind of patient that I am though. I wanted to know everything and I wanted to understand everything. And now even more so, I want to be in control of the situation. I am my health advocate, not my doctor. Well, you know you better than anyone. Yeah. And we've chatted a lot about that before. Yeah. And and how much control patients should have. Because yeah. you know what you want to do. And you very wisely and intuitively do back up a lot of the treatments that you've had to have over the years yeah. with things that feel right to you. And it yeah. could be as simple as you looking at the ocean. Yeah moving to the seaside, having a pet. It's yeah. things that, again, are gut-driven, that you go, yeah. this is right for me. Yeah. And and we underestimate that feeling sometimes and would rather take someone else's advice, like, yeah. oh, you should do this. But yeah. I I always admire your bravery in that as well, that you just go, no, no, I, kn- I know, yeah. I, I've got this. And yeah. I think, again, that takes great self-awareness and courage to, to see that through. Yeah, I guess because it's served me so many times. Yeah. I think, well, it served me before, so I'm going to try this again. I'm going to turn down chemotherapy this time. Because it's worked in the past, I think, oh, that gave me some confidence to do it again. And as I had to remind my oncologist recently, I said, can we just go back to the first doctor who told me I didn't have cancer? Can you remember that I lost all trust in everything and everyone in that moment? Mm. And then you might understand that I need to be a really active participant in this situation. He said, yeah, cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Totes forgot that. But also Um, you're you're saying that. But you're saying that with also, you know, a big dose of, I'm going to take the responsibility for this. Well, I'm not like going to, if it all goes wrong, I'm not going to blame you. I I know that this feels right to me and whatever circumstance this leads to I've made this decision it is hard when especially when you've come to a point where they are suggesting one thing and you are in a real muddle and you don't actually know where to turn that is the most scary place to be because you're not entirely sure that you should be going down that one route but you don't actually have another route yeah is that where your friendship group comes into play for you obviously not experts in the medical world but people that can go I'm here for you whatever yeah and also what are you really feeling? Like, do, does your friendship group help you decipher those moments and actually really root into what that gut feeling is? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Or what's um, in your, what's yeah. in your, like, hate to use the phrase, but toolbox, in those moments where you do feel dead-ended and yeah. I don't know what to do now. Like, what what is your toolbox? What do you do? Well, I, I turn to people and positive stories. Yeah. Because um, they don't, that's, this is all such a foreign world to them yeah, and of course it's not I can't expect them to really understand everything but they're there and they will take instructions they will do <laughs> they will do what I ask them to do but 
like just for them to back me up and make me feel like I'm doing the right thing and I haven't just messed up. As we talked about briefly at the start of this chat, you know, I've literally never seen you anything but happy, Mm. full of energy, even when I know that you're not physically feeling great. You look like a frigging supermodel all the time as well, which is insane. And, you know, people that meet you on the street wouldn't know there was anything going on with you physically. Yeah, like, they just wouldn't have a clue. Yeah. Which, you know, again, inspires me so much because you do just get out of bed and crack on regardless of what aches, pains, fatigue that you are experiencing. Mm. And that's amazing. When I saw you a couple of months ago, things were slightly different. Yeah. And you weren't feeling great. And it was the first time I'd properly seen you in a different space. Yeah. You know, it was heartbreaking to see. But again, even though like those moments of despair, you were seeking options. Like you knew there was people that could inspire you or a different route. And I think in those moments, a lot of other people might have just gone, sod it. I just, I'm too tired. I can't be bothered anymore. But you... You always can like dig a bit deeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to be honest, I'm just so glad that because I could have so easily just said, text you and go on the phone, I can't see you today. <laughs> I just need to lie in bed. But so many times where I've decided, no, I will get up and yeah. I will go see people that might make me feel a bit better. I've always, I've never regretted it. So I knew that if I saw you, then. I don't know, you'd help me in some way. I didn't know how you were going to do that. I knew you're not going to give me the answer. I knew you're not going to give me the name of a doctor who can fry my brain or whatever. But I knew that you could at least help me with your words and, I don't know, life wisdom. <laughs> well, I don't know if I've got any of that, but you I'm happy to be You have oodles of it. You have oodles of it, Fern. It's a pleasure for me that that you invite me into that space mm. and that you trust that I will be any help at all you know as a friend that's an amazing moment but also I had never seen you at that place before and I didn't want to see you in that place because I love you as a friend and I wanted to go there has to be some other route and even if neither of us have any clue I certainly don't but it has to be out there and I guess it's just having that hope yeah and hope is something especially if you're not a religious person it's quite a bizarre concept to grasp hold of yeah. because we're probably conditioned quite a lot by society that you shouldn't be hopeful, you know, yeah. something bad might happen, get some insurance or whatever it might be. We're kind of ploughed with the options of what if and having hope can be, you have to sort of buck the trend to grab hold of that yeah. and to believe things might be okay. What What is your idea of hope and, and how do you use it? Would you say you're spiritual? Like, mm. How do you frame that in your life? Well, I can get hope very quickly, but I can also lose hope very quickly. So it kind of comes and goes very rapidly with me. But it doesn't take much for me to... It takes any kind of a story or or a situation where I think, oh, you remember... So even just thinking back to that that time when we met up and I thought, I I really don't know what's going to happen from here. Um, I've, you know... I guess to fill people in but I had 15 brain tumors in in my brain and um someone wanted to fry my entire brain and I didn't want that because it meant it would have floored me and and I could have 
I had very bad cognitive issues after um, and I would have lost all my hair but I mean that's probably not as important as everything else but it kind of was and um, to me I felt like there were other options but I just wasn't sure what they were going to be so I was in a very difficult situation but the fact that I got past that and I'm now sat here and I had a different kind of treatment and then the, the follow-up scans showed that this, the tumours are now stable that gives me hope now yeah I think you're only as hopeful as the last bad situation Mm. and so in that moment I probably tried to remember the last time I thought oh this is over this is it because there have been so many and I sometimes forget that I forget that oh I remember that time when I was admitted to hospital because I I wasn't I couldn't stop puking and they had to call an ambulance and I remember that other time they had to call me an ambulance because I couldn't move all of a sudden and they discovered this new tumour in my spine and, you know, all these awful moments, but I somehow got past them and actually maybe this is just another situation that I can get past. I think in terms of spirituality, I'm not religious, I, but I believe in things that I want to believe in, so mm. I guess. Um, I believe in hope, I believe in happiness, I believe in cups of tea. So it's I believe in good things. I believe that good things are possible um because i've seen it happen i believe things because i've seen them happen i'm i'm here for a reason i really do believe that i'm here for a reason and i and i don't know how long for but i i don't know i i love life i believe in life <laughs> i want to live and um and i know that i mean everyone probably says that they want to live but i i really love being alive mm. i love life but i don't think many people even give that a thought because they're too busy well, you know, worrying or overthinking about tiny bits and bobs in life rather than you know you've got that great perspective of yeah. the bigger picture yeah. constantly so you can appreciate every bit of it and the 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 largeness of life yeah. like you can go to that level whereas yeah. you know most people are ticking along every day like oh, I might think oh that's a nice sunset I'm grateful to see that but you've got that large perspective and and you can live your life by that. Yeah. Maybe that does reinforce your hope yeah. or boost it up yeah. when, when yeah, you need it. It does. It does. And I feel lucky. I feel so lucky to be able to view life like that. I don't know. It might have happened without cancer, but I really just don't think it would have. I really don't. And someone once asked me, like, would you take away, if you could take away everything, if you could take away the cancer and everything else to do with it, associated with it, would you? And I said, no. Really? Because if it meant taking away this... In this life that I've created for myself, this attitude that I've created for myself, this charity, the impact that that's had, if that meant all that had to go, then I'd, what would, what would that leave? It would leave, I think, a shell of a woman <laughs> that has not learned anything. And I don't, I don't, I don't want that. So if it means that I have to deal with this, these shitty rogue cells in my body at the same time, then I guess I will. And I'll, and I'll try and do that as long as possible. You know, you've, very eloquently said there that having cancer has given you a lot and we Mm. don't hear about it in that way ever it's about loss and it's about negative change so do you believe that is a choice that you've made to see it in that way or is this is this just how you are as a human is this your dna that you were always going to push through things in life that came your way yeah. and that you were going to not allow bad times to floor you. Like you said, you've had loads, yeah. but you haven't let them stop you. You've almost forgotten about them. Mm. You've moved on so much that yeah. you've gone, oh, I'd forgotten that this yeah. has happened many yeah. times before. Yeah. 
is that just the essence of who you are or has cancer made you allowed you to show that that side of yourself and to dig that deep yeah I think so I think it's made it's made me find something within myself and created someone that I never knew that I could be I wish I could know who I'd be right now without cancer I really do but like I said before I was diagnosed I really believed that happiness came through other people and men (laughs) and that's not the case and I think I've I've realized that because of my very close relationship with mortality and all of the relationships and friendships that I've made because of it god if I had to give all that up I'd just be gutted because I wouldn't know you, for example. I wouldn't know you. Yeah. I'd be and, beyond gutted. Yeah. I think, I mean, a lot of people assume that I, when I was diagnosed, I knew all these people and who to contact and knew people like you and, and like, I didn't. No, and, but people like me have sort of just been drawn to your light <laughs> and gone, who is this amazing person and what are they doing? I want in and, and, you know, I'm so glad that I've got to be part of this brilliant adventure we're having with Copperfield and yeah. all the great stuff that we're doing, you know, the festivals you visit, the universities that you've set teams up in, obviously Festifield, which is mm. our gorgeous music festival that we do once a year, which really feels now, what, how many years have we done of this now? Seven? This will be the, the ninth Festifield this year. Um, and you've been curating it for like six years now. So, yes, yeah, so it'll be seven mad. this year, which is a joy for me. And yeah. It felt like the last couple of years, especially stood in that room, like it wasn't just, oh, we're doing a music festival to mm-hmm. raise money for Copperfield. It was like, people are here because they get it. And it's yeah. a celebration of us understanding our bodies and us not finding it weird to talk about that, yeah. to lose the fear around mm-hmm. it and to be more open. And that's men included. Tons yeah. of blokes there getting what we're talking about. Yeah. As well as watching brilliant bands, we've had Stereophonics yeah. and like Skinner and everything, everything and like great, great people play. But it felt like, you know, even the bands and acts that were there, they're, they're not getting paid. They don't have to be there, but yeah. they want to be part of that that celebration. And I think, yeah. you know, you've made that possible that it's not a subject that we have to fear talking about or be you know overly sensitive talking about it's something that we should just all be chatting and even celebrating and it does feel like a big party every year and it's a total joy to be part of that yeah it it really is like quite a special day and even when before the bands arrived obviously they've they've, I've only really been speaking to the manager and so you or and then the bands get there and they think oh it's another charity event which is great but you know I don't really know what it's for and they leave going this was actually quite a cool thing. Yeah. Like, what I was. this is what I was trying to tell yes, you. Yes, we were trying to communicate this in the 10,000 could... emails we were sending to you. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it is something great to be part of. And you will leave feeling like you've done something really amazing. Yeah, so you please will. just bloody come. And everyone that goes as well. Like, yeah. I've all my friends that have been and people when I'm walking amongst the crowds are just yeah. having a good time. And it's that, it's just, it's a joyful experience that, again, you have had a little idea in your head and you've made it bloody well happen as usual yeah with the help your magic with the help of you and others thank you but it's been your magic (laughs) so it's amazing thank you so much for today i can't tell you how much i appreciate your honesty and your brilliance in talking about all this because i think it's going to help a lot of people thank you for having me
Chris Halenga, you angel, you legend. I love you more than anything. Thank you, Chris, for sharing your story with us. That was oh, just wonderful. If you want to support Chris and her charity Copperfield, which I'm patron of, you can find out all you need to help to raise funds and awareness at their website, copperfield.org. Next week, we spend time in the happy place of this fella. The process of recovery is learning to unpick yourself from the sort of biological habits that you've fallen into. So me and you, Fern, it's me and you against Sartre. That's right. Russell Brand will be here talking all things mindful and what he's learned from a very chequered past. Don't miss an episode of this podcast when you subscribe. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Entail and more. Just search for Happy Place on your phone and hit subscribe. Thanks again to Chris and the producer Matt Hill at Rethink Audio. I'll see you next week. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.